Hello and welcome to The Current Thing with me, Nick Dixon, and today we have an extra special guest. He is the host of the Bulldog Mindset YouTube channel, which has 360,000 subscribers plus, but now he's moved on from that. Well, that was talking about masculinity, dating, money. He interviewed people like Andrew Tate, who you might have heard of back before it was cool. And now he's moved on to talking about things like stoicism and marriage and loads of things that will interest our audience. It is John Somnes. Thanks so much for doing the show, John. Yeah, thank you, Nick. It is an honor to be here. Well, you're very welcome. So there's so much we could talk about. And in case our audience doesn't know you, though, I thought I'd kick off with your kind of famous transformation. This is a thing you were known for. So we see these transformations on the internet where people right. just lose loads of weight and stuff like that. Yours was one of the best ones that's been seen. You went from overweight computer geek to alpha male Chad. And I just wanted to, if you wouldn't mind just telling that story and how all that came about. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I grew up as kind of a nerdy kid, kind of a, a dorky, you know, out of shape. I never was really athletic or, or anything like that. And uh, I was very introverted and shy. You know, I was just scared to talk to a girl. I mean, I didn't have a girlfriend in high school. I didn't even talk to girls. I didn't, <laughs> even in college, barely, right? And so, you know, I was basically became a computer programmer and, you know, went, went down that road, played World of Warcraft. And, uh, you know, one day uh, what, what happened is I... You know, I went to the store to buy some U.S. size 46 pants, which I'm not sure what they are in U.K. size, but it's it's big, right? It's 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 really big because my size 44 pants didn't fit me anymore, and that I was think it's also point. 46 in the U.K. Oh, maybe that's okay, inches. Maybe, yeah. That's inches, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's inch. Oh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. So we're on the same imperial system. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. but yeah, it was just it was one of those you know come to Jesus moments where I had denied that I was fat. I was like, okay, I'm just gaining a little bit of weight. And then I was like, damn, John, you are a fat ass, right? Like, it's like, there's no question about this now. And I, I realized kind of in that moment, I was like, not only are you fat, but like you're, you're, you have this delusion in your head that you're this kind of cool, confident guy that somehow it's all going to work. I, I call it, everybody thinks they're going to be a rock star someday. It's, it's almost like this life isn't the real one, but someday I'm going to have that, you know, that, that awesome life. And it just scared me. It scared me so much that I was like, look, if, like, if this is my only shot and this is my only life and I want to have the kind of life that I want, if I want to have women attracted to me and I want to you know, make money and, and, and live this kind of life and feel good about myself, then I have to start right now. And so I just immediately, I think in the next year, I lost a hundred pounds. I started reading books like crazy, just, you know, reading one book a week and running. And I just started really consuming a lot of content on masculinity, started overcoming my fears, uh, learned how to pick up girls and, and, you know, had some success in that area and then actually ended up becoming a coach in that area. And, uh, and really developed the bulldog mindset. A lot of this was also influenced by stoic philosophy uh, because I realized that like that was a life philosophy that made the most sense. And, uh, and yeah, I just had this amazing transformation within five years. I went from, I won't say broke, but you know, I was making okay money to multimillionaire uh, from fat and lazy to ripped and jacked running marathons and from, you know, really not doing well with women to, you know, having, a lot of different options and, and, and really just, you know, something that I, a life that I never thought that I would ever live, you know, you managed to like transform your whole life, which was pretty amazing. And what my question about that is, is how far can we change our personality? Cause I was, was bored the other day or miserable or something. I found myself doing online personality tests, which is a thing oh, yeah. I do sometimes. I got nothing else to do. And I found that I did one that was from Ty Lopez actually. And uh, oh. I got anxiety 100. 
and it oh, was out she... of a hundred. So that's, yeah. I'm not an expert. It strikes me as a touch high. Um, and then I got uh, organization 100, perfectionism okay. 100, conscientiousness 95. And I was like, of course, I wanted it to be 100 because I'm a perfectionist. So I thought, imagine having that personality. Like, what a nightmare. And it made me think, like, how locked in our personalities are we? Because it looks like you made a massive change. Yeah, I, I don't think they're locked in at all. I think that we apply labels to things. And I think it's harmful to apply labels. So for for example, I've always railed against the introvert extrovert thing. I don't believe in such a thing as introversion and extroversion. I believe that certain people will exhibit those qualities in certain situations. So for example, when I was in my geeky days, I used to love playing Magic the Gathering, right? I still would love to do that. <laughs> I need to go back and do that again, because it's, it's so much fun. But you know, the, the card game, the trading card game, and in that nerdy environment of all introverted guys, you know, the guy that was really good at Magic the Gathering, the guy that was winning all the tournaments, he acted like an extroverted alpha male in that environment, right? He was he was loud and obnoxious and in your face and all these things. And so it, it's like, it's contextual, right? And so, but what happens is we apply labels to ourselves and we think I'm anxious, I'm shy, I'm whatever it is. We, we, we say I am those things and that becomes our identity. And identity is the most powerful force in the universe. Whatever you believe that you are is your identity. That is what you will be. Uh, and so the trick is, is to change that identity, right? Um, and, and that's what can change the personality. In fact, Benjamin Hardy wrote a really good book called Personality Isn't Permanent. Uh, that's, that's a good read for, for that subject. But, but I think fundamentally it comes down to identity, right? And uh, another good book on that subject, kind of the pioneer book on that subject was... Uh, uh, by uh, Dr. Maxwell Maltz, uh, Psycho-Cybernetics. And uh, he was a plastic surgeon and he found that when he changed some people's faces, it changed their personality for the better. Uh, because someone said, the reason why I, I have no confidence is because my nose is too big. So he fixed their nose and now they have confidence, right? But some other people, he would do plastic surgery on them and he would fix the thing that they thought was wrong with them and it wouldn't change anything. And what he realized was that it was not the actual physical appearance. It wasn't any of those things. It was the self-image, what they thought of themselves, which is really identity, right? And so I think in order to really change your personality, you have to first change your identity. Hmm. That's interesting. I've tried to read Psycho-Cybernetics twice. Uh, it doesn't really make sense to me. That fundamental point made sense, sense to me. But there's a lot of kind of, after that, it gets a bit woo-woo, and I, I can't really yes. see how to apply it practically. But that is an interesting point. My friend told me the other day that his hair transplant changed his life, and that mm. he might not have even got married without it and wouldn't have got his wife. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I was hoping to just say, no, nah, it's all internal. You know, don't worry about your hair. <laughs> he said, no, no, it's life changing. <laughs> Pay the money. But, but, it, it, but see, I still would make the argument that it is internal. I'll give you another example. One of my coaching clients just yesterday, right? He came to San Diego and he was struggling with women, right? Just like, I mean, he would go on dates and stuff, but he couldn't close a deal and women wouldn't call him back and stuff. And we went for a run. We spent a couple of days together and I just gave him like a different shift in mindset, not even tactics, just like this is how things are and this is why you need to do things this way. And, you know, just yesterday I was talking to him and he's like, like, it's crazy now. He's like, it's, it's like I absorbed your personality, like your, your skills with women. And now I'm this master of it. And like, how could I do this in a couple of days? And um, and then he he was saying that I, I think though he's like I, I think maybe it's because I I my physique right I've changed I've I've dropped some weight and I, I've gained some muscle and and I was like you see the thing is like you think it's because of your physique but have you ever like if a woman gains ten pounds or loses ten pounds does it really change her attractiveness that much no and when women are less visual than men I said what it is though is that part of it is because you believe 
that your physique is so good that you deserve these women, you're acting that way. And so, you know, maybe the hair transplant, I'm not saying that physical appearances don't matter. And I'm not saying that the hair transplant doesn't matter you know, at all. But what I'm saying is that probably your friend felt so much confidence from having the hair and, and having people compliment him on the hair and knowing that, that he just presented himself in such a way that made him more successful. You know, I, I think there's a huge element to that. Okay, so the options are hair transplant or spend a few days with John running. They're probably both expensive, I feel like. I feel like I'm not sure which is the cheaper option, especially as if we've got to go to San Diego. Yeah, yeah. We'll try one of those. Um, But so I've got to address something now just because you're talking about this stuff because this is so normal to you. This is what you do. But for our audience, I have to address what they might be thinking, which is, hang on, why do I, why is life all about getting loads of girls and stuff? Because some yeah. of our audience are kind of trad. They're kind of into like, you know, oh, yeah. don't go and sleep around and, you know, yeah. get married to the first girl you meet forever. And that's it. So should, should a man, should a man go out with lots of girls or should he just be trad and stay with the first one he meets and just do that way? It's kind of Pearl versus Ben Shapiro or something like that. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, my, my views are, are more along the traditional line, right? I'm, my political view is libertarian, you know, the the lowercase L, not the capital L, and uh, and and I would say that more tra- like so. For example, right, I'm I'm married uh, to a wonderful woman, happily married, you know, and I and I think that's that's wonderful, and you know, uh, however, I did do pickup and I did learn skills with women, and I think that was valuable. Now, I don't think you need to necessarily go around and sleep with a lot of women if you don't want to do that, but I do think that you do need to learn how to pick up girls. I think you need to to learn game. You need to learn those skills for the simple reason that you need to have options so that you can make a choice because uh, a choice without options is not a choice at all. And so the thing that I would take offense with is if a man says, you know, I'm just going to meet, you know, marry the first woman I meet. That is a bad, a bad problem. And that's where so many of these nasty divorces come from and, and men in, in very bad situations. And believe me, take it from me, I, I did go through a divorce and I was that guy. I was a guy that married the first girl that, you know, that would have sex with me. And I was like, you know, it's not, not probably the best choice, but it's because I didn't have options. But what I think is that, you know, if you have a moral stance and you're like, I don't want to sleep with a lot of women, I don't believe in that culture. And that, that's totally fine. But at least learn how to interact with women, how to get in a position where you could And then now you've got, now you can filter. Now you can actually have standards as a man, which you need to have and say, look, this is what I'm looking for. And this woman doesn't meet it. And now you can find a much better woman that's suited to you rather than what most guys do. Honestly, the biggest mistake most guys make that completely ruins their life is that they end up marrying or getting into long-term commitment with the first girl that they really have anything with because they don't feel like they have other options. Okay. And so maybe we'll get into that more, but I, I suddenly wanted to ask you one of the things I've got in trouble for with my audience or some of my audience is being quite an Andrew Tate supporter, except ah. like maybe on Israel, Palestine, but, but, but before that, and Tate follows me on Twitter and we've now X and we've had a few messages and stuff. And I'm, and I've met him when I was in my job at GB news and I tend to be quite loyal once I like someone. So yeah. I kind of stick with them. But, um, some people said to me, Nick, how can you support Tate? He's this, he's that. He, he wants to, sleep around and demean women and blah, blah, blah. And he's not conservative. He's definitely not, he's not Christian. His brother is, uh, who also follows me, Tristan, but he's not. But what was one, what's your view on Tate and what was your experience of uh, interviewing him? I think once or even twice, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I, I love that you're, you're not, uh, 
not avoiding the sensitive subjects. So, okay. So, and, and this is something that I'll say, like, I would say this to Andrew's face, right? So I will never talk about something that I wouldn't say to their face. Uh, so I, I like Andrew as a person. All right. Um, I agree with a lot of the things that he said. I think that a lot of the things that he said just make a lot of sense. Right. Uh, you know, I, when I interviewed him on my channel, we had, a, it was one of the best interviews I had. Like we, we just agreed on so many points. We just, you know, so many of these points of, have you, you, I'm sure you've seen the interview. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, it was just, I just felt like it was right on. Like we, we were like, yeah, you know, this is how men need to change. And this is what it means to take responsibility for yourself. And like all those things I, I agree with him on. I, I do feel like he's made some missteps. Right. And I'll say this is the biggest issue that I have. And like I said, I would say to his face and I'm happy to, you know, I still consider him to be a friend of mine. All right. So I haven't talked to him in a while, but um, when he got canceled, right, or depersoned, really, that's what it really was. Right. Uh, and that was unfair. Uh, and, and he was misrepresented. Totally true. Uh, he made a big apology explanation video and he he was like, look, uh, you know, I you know, he, he, he did this very long explanation. Like, I, I, have you seen that? You, I'm sure you said. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I right? see everything. And he talked about how it was like he shouldn't have used his position. He should have been more careful. And then and in the future, he'll be more careful at what he says and and all these things and 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 sincere. And, you know, I even showed it to people that were against Andrew Tate. And I said, look, I know him personally. I've talked to him multiple times, interviewed him on my channel. I believe this guy is sincere. Right. And I, I believe that, you know, he's been misrepresented. And then as soon as he got his x account back i was like man like he just started going off and saying all kinds of stuff and i was like that's not like it's not in alignment with what he said there which again doesn't mean i you know i, I think a lot of people are like you have to either love or hate someone you know i can say i like the guy and i can say i don't agree with that course of action because he kind of screwed himself over right and he paid the penalty for it because look at that point he had his hustler university or whatever. He was making 10, $20 million a month. All he had to do was just quietly exit the scene, take his money and not draw attention to himself because he now became a big target and the people who could attack him had nothing. They, they didn't have anything at risk where he had this huge thing at risk. And so what ended up happening, I think, is that because he made himself a target, then, you know, people took action against him. And, and then he went back on what he said. So I think that's, that's the kind of contention that I have with him. And then I would say also that a lot of the guys that fought, that follow Andrew Tate, that are really hardcore, which I know a person can't control that because the same exists with some Peterson followers as well, even though I, I love what Peterson has to say as well, is that they are not learning the right message. And so they are becoming radicalized without the common sense and the, I would say, self-responsibility that Andrew Tate has, because he's a person who does have self-responsibility and understands this, yet some of the messaging and the way that it's put out is encouraging, I think, a lot of guys that don't have all the information to think that they do, right? If, if you know Andrew Tate, and, and, I'm, and I know that, that you do to a degree, you know that he respects women. He does not have, he does not con, you know, condone abusing women. However, many of the guys that are very, uh, very, let's say religious followers of him don't believe that because they didn't get that part of the message. Anyway, okay. That's so sense. fair enough. Very honest answer. But what do you mean by he came back on X and, and should have just exited the scene? Cause one, wouldn't he say, well, I'm being 
honest and, and bold, whereas most rich people just disappear. They're behind the scenes. They're safe. The difference with me is I'm out in front of the scenes. And then the second point is you say he went back on what he said. What was a what post was he doing that went back on what he said? Because I've not really noticed. I think he's just had the same as he's always been. Well, I mean, he said in the in the video, and it's been a while since since I seen that that video that he should have used his position and he was going to use his position with more care and be more careful to monitor closely everything that he says to make sure it's not misconstrued and that he doesn't cause unnecessary offense, right? I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was essentially that. And then I felt like when he got his account back, well, example, let's, let's look at the pizza incident that got him arrested in, in Romania, right? So the pizza boxing, because he started this feud with, uh, what's her name? Greta. Greta Thunberg. Right. And that was unnecessary to do that. And it was not, it was not in alignment with that video, with the tone of that video, right? If you watch that video and then you watch his actions with that. And again, he's not a perfect man. I'm not a perfect man. I've made countless mistakes on social media. So I'm not judging him to say that, oh, he's so horrible. I'm just saying that those things didn't line up. And that was something that made me start to say, you know, I, I'm not liking what I'm seeing here with with, with his resurgence on, on social media. But but again, it's my opinion. You know, it's like I I respect that someone would disagree and, and say, no, that's it's fine. And I do respect the person for saying the things that need to be said. However, you know, again, like I, I did agree with his video in the sense that when you have that much clout, carefully weighing the words in a persuasive way that that is not going to necessarily rub people the wrong way just to rile them up is probably a good tactical move, right? To have a little bit more tact. And, and I think that's what was, has, has been lacking, to be honest. Interesting. Well, one point of clarification I just have to say is that the pizza box thing, I think that was a, a rumor. People, it was like an easy yeah. story that he attacked Greta and then he got arrested because of pizza box. I don't think it really was that. They were already think, looking yeah. at him for ages. So yeah. I know you mean it certainly drew attention to him, but it wasn't the, strictly the reason. That was just a thing that the mainstream media wanted to say to try and humiliate yeah. him. So that one point I have to say. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, fair enough. You're entitled to your opinion. I mean, yeah, I don't agree with him on everything. And that's the other thing. You've got to agree with everyone on everything now. I mean, I get messages I about what Tate <laughs> says. Why do I get yeah. messages about what he says? It's right. so weird. Like, How do you feel about this then? He's now saying this. It's like, you want me to control everything Andrew Tate says in the future, not just... You know, if I say, oh, I like Tate, it's like, well, now he said this about Israel. What do you think about that? And it's like, well, I, I'm, he has a different opinion on, yeah, fine. You know, it's yeah. kind of pathetic. We've got to have the same opinion on everything across the board. It's it's ridiculous today. Like the, the political culture today is is has devolved to that. Like there is no debate anymore. There's no discussion. There's no advancement of ideas because if you don't toe the line on whatever party, whether it be political or social, that you're supposed to, right? If you wrong think or wrong speak, uh, you're excommunicated from the, from the party. It's, it's so, it's so crazy. And you know, I've been getting backlash. I did a video on my channel where I was like, everybody hates me because I'm like, you know, I can empathize with the plight of men. However, I can also empathize with the plight of women as well. And so when I'm talking to men and I'm saying like, you know, you know, watch out for these kind of things that, that women might do and these behaviors. And, and, and I'm, I'm talking against, you know, the, the liberal agenda and, and these things, guys are like, yeah, cheer, cheer it on. But then when I say to men, like now also look what you're doing, you need to, you know, fix some of your stuff here. 
guys get all upset, right? And it's the same thing with women, right? You know, if, if I'm saying all, you know, all the things that women want to hear, they, they, they love that. But then as soon as I say, well, you know, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be out partying and maybe you shouldn't sleep with a guy on the first date. Now they're all, now they're all upset about that. So it's like, if, if you don't toe the line, if you have a difference of opinion and have original ideas that, that differ from the standard model, you know, no one, no one has, I feel like patience for that anymore. And so we don't have as many productive discussions and debates that could actually move things forward. Yeah. So would you say you've become, I mean, I think the phrase is purple pills, but you've kind of, you've moved from being like, I'm talking about masculinity and men, maybe you were red pilled. I don't know if you'd have called yourself that there's all these different terms. And now you're kind of, you've sort of, I don't know if you softened up maybe a bit. You're talking, you actually got married. I mean, I, I think it's good. I mean, you've got married, you seem happy with your marriage. It's, that's great. Yeah. Um, I think that's good. But in the world we're in, that'll lead you to be like, oh, John's soft now because now he cares about the woman's perspective. And maybe you've sort of become a, a cuck or something. I don't know what, what the term would be, but yeah, yeah. you, you, because you've gone through your own evolution like Tate or you're, or like you think Tate had done. And then you, you really you betrayed that, but you've gone through a big change. Oh, what, do, what can you say about that change? Because now you do, you've moved on from your Bulldog Mindset channel where you, I mean, 360,000 subscribers is pretty cool, but you've gone, now nah, I'm over that now. Now you're talking about marriage with your wife and you've sort of moved on to a new phase. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, I like to say that I don't think my views fundamentally changed, right? Uh, I was probably one of the founders of the Red Pill kind of philosophy and ideas before it went crazy, right? So the idea behind Red Pill, right? You know, I was chatting with Rolo Tomasi before he was even on video, like getting him to, you know, to come on video, right? And, and talk about these, these things. Because the original idea of, of, the, of the Red Pill was that just like the Matrix, you're just supposed to see what the real world is, right? And not be angry and not be jaded or bitter about it, right? So it's like, look, the, the red pill, the idea was exposing some of the things about female nature, right? So women I, are hypergamous. They they want to have a man that is of higher value than them. Okay. You know, that's, it's true. Like now we know this thing, right? Women like, don't like nice guys. They like uh, more drawn to bad boys or, you know, dominant male behavior, right? Uh, you know, what you call alpha male and, and things like that. And so we learned all these these kind of things, right, about maybe how women's sexuality, how they might have a short-term mating goal and a long-term mating goal and and how to, you know, to understand these things. And I, I think a lot of the guys that were originally involved in kind of the red pill movement, they took this as if they were taking notes, right? They're like, oh, that's interesting. I've been playing a game and I didn't know what the rules were and that sucked. But now I'm learning what the rules are and I'm happy about this. Let me take some notes. Let me improve my game. And now I can use this information to better my life and to, you know, to, to get, to get somewhere. Right. Whereas I think what started happened was the red pill turned into this red pill rage. This, it morphed into this thing where a lot of the creators on YouTube, again, I, I departed from the the quote manosphere because it, it just became bickering girls, uh, you know, just, just ridiculousness of making memes of each other. And like, just such petty stuff is that I was like, a lot of these guys, they started to realize that the way to get an audience was to say controversial shit about women and to bash women. And it, because that's, I mean, that's what got, you know, it's drama. Right. And, and guys are like, Oh yeah, yeah. Screw them. Right. You know, that, that is always going to you know, the Jerry Springer effect, right? You look at, you know, Fresh and Fit podcast, again, no offense to those guys, I helped them 
out to get started at the beginning and and I consider them both to be friends of mine, but it's a Jerry Springer show, right? That's what it is, right? And so what what happened was the red pill because of that and partially because of the algorithm, it morphed into this women hating ridiculousness and I don't really want to have any part in that. So so I'd say fundamentally my views haven't changed, right? I've always been for the idea of respecting women but understanding their nature. Uh but uh, but I am making more of an emphasis now on on the the softer side of things and and more on and more relation like I was doing a lot of kind of pickup content and, and game content because that was what I was doing right so I was teaching what I, what I was doing uh, but my fundamental views haven't changed on that uh, but now that I'm married I'm doing more of the relationship and and helping guys understand how to be a masculine man in a relationship, which I think is perhaps the most needed skill because a lot of guys learn how to pick up girls and then they get a girl, uh, just like in the the book, the game, if you, if you remember, uh, what, what's the name? Uh, Neil Strauss. Uh, yeah, yeah. Neil, you know, or, oh no, I think, was it Neil that got the girl? No, mystery got the girl. And then he, he went, you know, crazy and didn't know how to handle the girl once he got All a girl. Right. But, uh, but, but yeah, so, so I think that that is, is really fundamental. And I think that's fundamental to the building blocks of society, right? Again, speaking to the trad guys, you know, a strong family and strong family values comes from the leadership of a man. So what I'm trying to do now with like the podcast with my wife, better than perfect podcast in showing our relationship and talking about these things is I'm trying to get men to step up as leaders in the relationship and to assume the authority in the relationship and for both men and women to understand that that, that masculine and feminine element is very, very important for the, the sexual polarity, but also just for family and for the units, you know, for society in general is that a man should be leading. But in order for a man to lead, you know, it's not like the 1950s. And a lot of guys fantasize and want it to be the 1950s. But the problem with the 1950s was that the man led and the woman had to respect him, not because he was a respectable man, but because he had a job and because she had to depend on him. Today, as a man in a relationship with a woman, the way to get a woman to submit to you and respect you is to be the man, is to step up to actually be a trustworthy man worthy of respect and leadership and to understand how to interact with a woman in a way where you have a spine, you have a backbone, you, you, you are able to insist on being the authority in the relationship, but are still a loving and kind person who takes good care of her and, and provides her the emotional support that the feminine needs. So, you know, throughout the whole thing, I think if you go back through all my videos, even in the quote red pill days, you'll hear me say repeatedly that the greatest gift that a man can give to this world is love. And I still believe that I've always believed that. And that uh, is something that I, I don't think I'll ever change on. Okay. Very interesting answer. Um, I have to say when I hate women, it's not, it's not for clout. It's totally authentic. So I want to get that out there. <laughs> In case yeah. anyone, anyone thinks I hate to think I was I doing, it. people think, oh, he's just doing it for clout. No, no, it's just genuine. So you said there's something fairly controversial. You said make a woman submit to a man. What did mm. that mean? Because that sounded like, you know, some people will like that. But like, yes, that's how it should be. And our Christian fans, hardcore Christian fans might like it. But other people are like, oh, how dare you? So what, what do you mean by that? I, I, like I said, everybody hates me. I'll, I'll piss off everybody. But <laughs> I, I like to say I do it because I'm giving the actual real truth without without conforming to an ideology, right? So here's where the Christian guys aren't going to like me. They're going to like that I'm saying that a woman should submit to her husband, but not by the authority of God, because that's a really bad reason to submit, okay? A woman should submit to a man because she believes, she trusts the man and believes in his leadership and his judgment over hers, that she believes that he can do a better job of leading her life than she can. 
And that's a tall order, right? But that's what I'm calling men to be. And if you can be that man, you will have many options among women and you will have a stable marriage and you will have a woman who devotes herself to you. But it is a challenging thing to be that because it's not just about being strong and tough and dominant, right? You cannot dominate a, a woman into submission. That, that's not going to work, okay? Uh, what you have to do is you have to inspire her to it, right? And you have to have a standard, right? Uh, I, I tell guys all the time, when a woman asks for a commitment in a relationship, that's when you have the talk. And that's when you say, hey, you know, you, you never should try to get commitment from a woman. That's her job, right? She asks for commitment and you say, look, yeah, I'm the captain of the ship, right? And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a good captain. I will take care of my crew first, Right. I will make sure that, you know, that I am I am 100 percent responsible for whatever happens. If you do something, it's my responsibility. I take full responsibility because if I'm going to have full authority, I'm going to have full responsibility. I will put your needs before my needs. However, I will always be the captain of the ship. And if you're not cool with that, I'm not angry. No, no problem. But you can't be on the ship. Right. And anytime that you're not cool with that, you're going to have to get off of the ship because I'm going to be I will always be the captain of my ship. And that and that's and that's how it goes. Right. And so if you trust me and you trust that I will do a good job of taking care of you and that I am the best man for the job of of captaining the ship, then let's let's do this. If not, and this way it's clear up front and this way a woman is making a choice to submit to you. It's not something that's forced. Right. Again, it's not something that's biblical that it's like, well, you must submit to me because I'm your husband and God says so. Well, you know, well. I'm not knocking religious people and, and it, it's fine to have the religious views. Even in spite of that, you should still be the man that a woman would want to submit to because she says, I enjoy And, and deep in most women's hearts, they would like to submit. They would like to, because a woman cannot be in her feminine unless she is able to fully submit herself to a man, uh, to a man's leadership. And so, she will have to be masculine. And that's why so many women in relationships wear the pants and, and they act masculine and they, they have all of these masculine traits that we see in society today. And we say, why are women so, so much like men? And it's because it takes a masculine man that a woman trusts and provides safety for her, for her to let down her guard and to allow her feminine to come out. So, so that's, that's what I mean by, by submit. And I do think it is I think it's essential for a relationship to succeed. I don't think you're going to have a male-female, masculine-feminine relationship if the woman does not willingly submit to the man. Hmm. Interesting. Um, certainly going to annoy some female listeners, but what about the claim that that can't be done anymore because of divorce laws? It's quite a popular claim in the red pill world that, I mean, basically divorce now doesn't, uh, marriage doesn't mean anything is the claim because, well, you can get out of it. There's no fault divorce now, I think, in, in the UK, in other countries which means you can just leave at any point. You don't even have to have a reason. Uh, the woman's actually incentivized to get out. Some people argue you're in a contract where someone's incentivized to get out because they'll get half the money. They'll get custody of the kids, which is another a complication. Right. So people say marriage, some people married in the church separately, and that means something to them, but the actual state marriage doesn't mean anything. So they might say to you, you can't have that ideal, even if people hate that ideal. But let's say they like that ideal. You, you can't even have it with modern divorce laws. It's That's so much ridiculous garbage that like that just gets propagated on because it's it's just fear-mongering it, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous look take it from me i'm a man who went through a divorce okay and lost half my shit lost millions of dollars am i spiteful and angry i got married again because i am willing to take that risk and and the thing about it is i take responsibility for my mistake 
in both my choice uh, when I first got married and also my behavior as a man in that relationship. And and she didn't walk out on me. I, uh, for full you know disclosure, I cheated on her, right? And I, I made video talking about this. And there were some reasons why I felt like I was in an abusive relationship and it doesn't justify it, but I'm fully transparent. So I, I will say, you know, I, I can admit my mistakes. However, I, I'm just saying that as a frame of reference to understand that I have been through it and divorce is probably the worst possible thing you can go through in your life. I, I will tell you that, uh, you know, right up front. So you should avoid it at all costs. However, you don't just, as a man, you don't just avoid things because they're risky. For example, with that same argument, I would say I should never get into a business deal with anyone because they could, you know, you know, everyone knows if you get into a business deal with someone, especially a 50, 50 partnership, they can just decide they don't want to work anymore. And they still own 50% of the business and then you have to work and they have to do, they do nothing. You have to trust them 100%, right? And, and it can be really nasty. I, I've seen a lot of nasty business partnerships dissolve, right? It's, it's a really risky endeavor. Anytime that you, you make a contractual agreement with someone, uh, you, you have to do it based on trust. But what I will say this is this, is that a, a man who one vets women carefully, which again, this is why I said have options, and have a standard. And if you have the talk with the woman, the captain of the ship talk when she asks for a commitment and she's on board with that and she thinks it highly enough of you to say, yeah, I, 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 I will accept your leadership and your authority as a man because I want to that. I, I want to have those things and, and want to have that. Then the likelihood of her screwing you over for some money or divorce, like is, is, is very slim. So the first is filter. The second thing is how you show up as a man in a relationship, right? If you're the kind of man who is a strong man, who had options, who has a backbone, who's not a yes man and a people pleaser, and then also you treat a woman right. And when I say treat a woman right, I don't mean just make money and like, you know, and, and pay for the bills and all that stuff. That's the minimum, right? You, you should financially support her, which again, a lot of guys disagree with that, but that is part of having the authority and responsibility. But if you can em help, em if you can emotionally validate her, make her feel safe with her emotions, which is extremely hard to do as a man, because we're logical, women are emotional. It's just, there's a whole, we could talk about that for hours. There's a really good book on the subject called The Masculine Relationship by G.S. Youngblood, which I, I'd recommend that all men in relationships read. Um, another one is The Way the Superior Man by David Dieta. Uh, but the masculine relationship is probably the best relationship book that for men. But my point is, is that if you understand these things and you can really show up as masculine in the relationship and really make a woman feel loved and safe, she will be so loyal to you. She will do anything for you. There won't be any dead bedroom. She will desire you sexually throughout your marriage. She will uh, worship the ground you walk on and, and trust and, and you won't have a problem like this, this fear mongering. And, and believe me, I coach men. I've been coaching men for 10 years. I have, I coach a lot of guys that are divorced, going through divorces on the edge of divorce, all, all of the spectrum. Right. And I have seen it and I've heard horror stories from divorces, like horror stories, believe me. But every single time when I have an honest talk with that man and, and I, and we talk about how he showed up in the relationship always there there's it was lacking it, there, it was you know what i mean and, and and a lot of guys don't want to admit this and, and i understand it because i know this because i did not show up as a man in in my prior relationship as i should have even though i'm i was a really good guy i treated her nice i was very kind very you know all those things 
but it, there is a huge, huge amount of education that needs to be given to men to understand how you actually treat a woman in a relationship. And if you get that right, I promise you, I promise you, again, I've been coaching guys for a long, long time, you know, and I, I promise you that a woman will, she will think you are the best thing that has ever happened to her in the, in the entire world. She, she will, women build their lives around a man and they want to. Men build their lives around their purpose and mission in life. Women build their lives around a man. And that is why relationship is so important to women. And again, I don't mean to be a woman sympathizer and, you know, get all the guys angry that, you know, it's like, you don't understand the plight of men. I do understand the plight of men. I was talking about that on, on, on the podcast today, but you really have to understand if you understand the psychology of women and how important relationship is to them and how important it is for them to be able to feel safe and to express their femininity, then you will understand that the devotion of a woman that feels safe and secure by a masculine man in relationship is, is way more than you could ever imagine. It's, it's, it's crazy. So I know a lot of guys won't believe me in saying all this stuff and I get that and I understand that because I, I doubted these things, but as I gained some knowledge of this and understood this and started coaching guys in this and seeing this in people's lives and my own life, it, it totally changed my, my viewpoint on this. And, and that's why I think it's such a valuable message that, that many men are not getting. All right. Very interesting. I've got loads of questions about that. I mean, I can't remember if it was you or Matt Walsh that said this, but that thing you've just said there about why shouldn't there be risk? It, it may have been Matt Walsh. He was saying, what is it that makes you think a man shouldn't take risks? So, you know, people say, well, marriage is a big risk. And the answer is kind of, yes. It's kind of like the, the meme, right. Chad meme. Yes, correct. And then you're saying a business partnership's a risk. I was speaking to a guy the other night um, who went to a business partnership with two guys. They didn't do any work. And he was getting 92% yeah. of the clients. And uh, he was a lawyer. In the end, he had to go in at the weekend and grab all his files and set up a new firm before they could stop him and all this kind of stuff. And that's just how it is sometimes. And so business is a risk. Marriage is a risk. Then again... Someone like Pearl, I mean, I'm starting to wish I'd reread all Pearl's expos because she's great on all this stuff, but she'll come back and say something like, well, women aren't virgins. And it can get very online, this stuff. I mean, if I say this to the yeah. men in my football team who are just normal blokes with two or three kids, they're like, they would think this is all insane. But right, in the exactly. online world, yeah. the, the rebuke to that is, well, women aren't they're upholding their side of the bargain by they sleep, they're sleeping around, blah, blah. Or maybe they, then the other rebuke I have is, or rebuttal is that economics are forcing now you're, you've got some money, so you're okay, but and you've done that yourself, of course. But economics is forcing both people into the workplace, so it's not what you're saying is not really realistic in most cases. Right. What do you say to any of those? Okay, yeah, yeah, I can address both of those. So, as far as women aren't upholding their part of the bargain, look, I generally agree with that. I look, if I'm talking to women, and when I do, and when I talk about it on my podcast, I say, look, you, you need to be smart about this. Your highest value is in your 20s. That's your highest sexual marketplace value. So that is the time when you can get commitment from the highest value man. Now that highest value man, he doesn't want a woman that's going and partying and sleeping with a bunch of guys and giving away what he has to earn for free. It, it's not a good look. It's not a good plan. Okay. Uh, it doesn't, you know, you, you can't have meaningless sex like men can. Women f have a different, different emotional connection when, when they have sex, they, they become harder. They become more masculine through sex. I think uh, through sex makes anyone more masculine. And the more a man has sex, the more masculine he will be uh, to a degree. It's not it's not good to, you know, to overdo that as a man either. But I'm just saying that it is different. And so I do agree with, with those points. I, I think that 
all this OnlyFans and posting your ass on Instagram and all this stuff and this, you know, kind of woke liberal culture of, you know, women and men are the same and we can do anything in sexual liberation. I don't think that's good. I don't think that's good at all. Okay. However, here's the thing that I think that men fail to realize is that women are influenceable way more than men are. And so the thing about this is that, yeah, this society, the culture, it influences young women a lot more than it does men. And as a man, you need to recognize that. And you need to realize also, there's a lot of men that complain about what women do, but I, but believe me, if they were put into a woman's body and they had the assets that she has, they'd probably be on OnlyFans. They would probably be less resisting of temptations than a woman does. I mean, you know, again, I'm not saying that a woman should sell her body on OnlyFans. That's prostitution, plain and simple. Okay. However, I am saying that a lot of men that are criticizing women for doing that, right, would do that if they were in that same position. And they would they would gladly take the, you know, $100,000 a month to show their asshole, right? Like, let's be honest about that, right? So so what I'm saying is that, like, just be careful about the, about the judgment of that and, and realize that women are, are influenceable. It's a product of society. But but the, the big thing about this to understand is this. And I was just talking about this. I just did a video on this. Women are like a garden or a mirror. A gar a gar there's two analogies I'll give you. One is women are like a garden. So a woman, as a man, what you, how you nurture and plant the seeds in that garden that, that's a woman will determine what crop you get, okay? And some guys are planting nagweed and that's why they're getting nagweed back, right? So if you are able to uh, meet a woman and get in a relationship with a woman and you have certain views and morality and right thinking, and she's a little bit to the, to the left or to the, you know, I don't want to say to the left, left, but, but you know, whatever she, she's, she's a little bit off base there. If you're a strong masculine influence on her, she is much more likely to start to accept your ideologies and beliefs and your influence. She will be influenced by you. Um, I, I was talking about, you know, every word that you say to a woman impacts her a lot more than what you think that it does. Um, and, and so the other way of thinking of this is that, you know, women are like a, a mirror. A woman reflects back what the man sees. She is a response to the masculine. And so how you show up as a man in a relationship with a woman will determine how she is and her values. Every relationship I've ever been in with a woman, she has adopted her viewpoints to to mine more than I've adopted hers. She has adopted a lot of the habits of mine, even the eating set, like all of the things that I do as a man, she has adopted those things and how I have shown up and treated her. That is, that determines how she grows. Right. And so if you nurture a woman in the right way and plant the right seeds, you will get a, the woman, the wife, the mother that you're looking for. But if you don't, then you're going to get what what society is generally because society is is nurturing these women right now and it's not giving them very good water or you know or very good seeds to, to grow and and that's why you're getting the, the, this kind of crop so but but the biggest thing I could say to men is that a woman is like a mirror she reflects a woman is a reflection of the man that she's with a woman that goes out and parties and does all this stuff and maybe would even cheat on a guy you put her with the right man the man that won't tolerate any of that kind of stuff that is a respectable man that has a high respect for himself and has high standards and isn't afraid to talk about those things. And she will be a completely different woman to, to that man and a man that need, that treats her right. Right. Like if you have that combination of things, I'm not talking about being a nice guy, pushover, blue pill, simp or any of that stuff. I'm talking about being 
you know, what I would call the man, you will influence the woman. And so, so that's why I, I think that, yeah, I'm not trying to say that a woman is not responsible for her actions, but what I am saying is that definitely in a relationship, the man is responsible for the entire relationship. And, and as a man, you shouldn't be saying, what are women doing? You know, uh, you know, what does she bring to the table? It's a ridiculous question because the answer is she is going to respond to what you are doing as a man. That's how women are responsive. And, that, and that's how it is. And, and a lot of women don't like this and they, they can complain about it as well, but they know it's true. And, and, and everyone, you know, kind of instinctually knows that this is true, that, that women respond to men. And so that, that's the thing I would say about that is that it's, it, it's not, you know, it, it's, it's the wrong way of thinking about things when you're worrying about what, you know, you, all, the other thing I would say, one last thing about this is you're a man. You're the man. There, it means something to be a man, right? One of the things that we're, we're missing today in society, what's wrong with men today is that they lack pride, right? You know, I have a friend of mine, he's a Marine, you know, and, and he said, he said, you know, you know, what's the best thing about the Marines? He's like, it's the shittiest branch of the U.S. Uh, armed forces. We get the shittiest food. We have the, the shittiest work. People hate us the most, right? It's the, it's the roughest, toughest. We get the, the, the least of the provisions. And he's like, and that's why I love being a Marine. And that's why I'm proud to be a Marine. And I was like, that's damn right. Because you know what? I hear so many men out there today complaining about how hard it is, how the 20-year-old girl, she can you know, get flown out to Miami and, and all these places, and she can walk into a nightclub and get drinks and, and everything, and she doesn't have to work hard, and she gets all these things. And they're jealous of her, and they're complaining and whining, and they're like, why do I have to pay for dates? Why doesn't, don't women approach me? Why is all this stuff? And why is it women can do whatever they want, and I have to step up as a man? And I'm like, do you not have any fucking pride as a man, you're lacking the pride. Like what happened to being like, I'm the man. That's why I, it's harder for me. Yes, it's harder for me. Of course it's hard for me. It should be harder for me. I'm proud that it's harder for me. You know, I, I had a, a coaching client of mine, not to go off on a complete tangent, but I used to have my medals on the wall. And, and I said to him, I was like, look, uh, you know, he was just bitching. He was a bitch fest. He was just complaining about how life was so hard and you know, it, like why can it be easier? And, and I, I, I took a, one of the marathon medals off of my wall and I said, hey, you want this marathon medal? And I said, I can inscribe your name on it. And, and I was like, you know, we could put a time. What do you want a four hour marathon or three hour marathon? And he's like, John, why? I don't understand. What are you saying? I'm like, no, seriously, do you want this? Like you can paint, you can hang it up on your wall. And then when people come over, you can say, look, here's my marathon medal, right? You can show your name on it. And he's like, uh, he was getting uncomfortable. Right? And he was like, he's like, John, no, I don't want that. And I was like, well, why don't you want it? He's like, well, because I didn't earn it. I didn't run the marathon. It would be weird if I had that. And I was like, so wait a minute. Are you fucking telling me? Are you bitching all this time and complaining about how life is hard? And now you're telling me that you don't want a marathon. You don't want something that you didn't earn that wasn't that it would mean nothing if it wasn't hard. Is that what you're telling me now? And you're complaining about your life? Hmm. Right? What do you actually want? And so I think that's the thing is that men are complaining. They're whining about that. Yeah, I understand a lot of stuff that Pearl says and it, it makes sense. But the thing is, it makes sense to men because it feeds on their weakness because they're like, yeah, that's right. And they get fired up about that and they get upset about that. And all of these things, logically, I could justify them and agree with Pearl on all the things. But what's missing is the pride of being a man and realizing that as a man, I think it is harder to be a man. I think it is a position that requires a higher amount of responsibility uh, because I am a leader. I don't expect a woman to be a leader. I don't expect her to be setting the moral code for life. And I don't expect her to necessarily be doing the right thing. But I expect myself as a man to be doing it. And I expect that a woman that is going to be with me is going to follow my lead. And so that's my very long answer to that. Great answer. Brilliant. This is, this is awesome. This is what we had you on for. So 
you know, very interesting about how influential a woman is, if that's a word. I knew a, I had a, two friends and had a, I knew this girl. She ended up going out with my other friend. She started with one friend, she ended up with the other friend. So first friend, she wouldn't have a TV in the house. He, she yeah. would like, they wouldn't, she didn't like want a TV and he didn't really want a TV either, but she watched the TV. So he'd say, well, come on, let's just get a proper TV. And we're watching it on this laptop. She's like, no, no, no. He goes out with the other friend. He's got a massive TV on his wall. He's obsessed with TV, like a film student. All he does is watch every single film that comes out. And now she's watching, no complaint. She's watching it. Why? Because she likes the guy more. So now she likes TV. So that does happen. And I'm going to be completely fair for the female listeners. I could be like that as well. My ex-girlfriend was stunning. When she says, Nick, do you want a drink? And I'm trying to, you know, not drink at the time. It's like, maybe I'll go, oh, it'll be spontaneous. I'll have a drink. It's like, Nick, you just broke your fucking thing for this girl because she's pretty you fucking loser so i've done it as well so it's not just that way around but it but yeah, yeah. so i guess you and don't it's not go on and it's not a bad thing i'm not in any way trying to knock women i think it's a beautiful thing i think femininity is a beautiful thing you know what i mean and i think more women should embrace their femininity there's nothing wrong with this there's nothing wrong with wanting a strong man to protect you and to provide safety for you and to want to follow his lead there is nothing wrong with that at all there's nothing want wrong with wanting to be taken care of and to to nurture your feminine side and to be the loving caring nurturing woman that 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 you could be like there, there's nothing wrong with that that's instinctually why women want to be mothers like it's it's there's nothing wrong with that so it's not a bad thing it, it, we're just different and that's the thing to understand so that comes down to you don't find the perfect woman you create her right that's kind of what you're saying i think you sort of create her yourself with your behavior and um one thing that's interesting there is that you that's an opportunity for men actually because i remember with with them um, talking about my ex-girlfriend, I was obviously, one of us was too mental to keep it going. I don't know who it was. I think both of us. But one thing she did like was that I just tell the truth. And one thing that she liked, and I think why she messaged me again at one point was like, after we'd broken up at one point, was like, because I was on the TV just speaking the truth and had similar opinions to her that she couldn't voice in her industry. And where yeah. this is a big one because she went out with some good looking guys and things she was on some elite dating app that's only for good looking or famous people. And she's like, these men are awful. They've all taken the vaccine. They're all mm. woke. They're all stupid. And so she can't yeah. go out with them because they're stupid and she's too smart yeah. and she's too questioning. So she has to find, it's tricky for her because she has to find some weird guy like me and some guy who's going to tell the truth. And that's harder for her to find. And most men are either they're too stupid or they're too conformist for her. So that was interesting. But that is also an opportunity for men to not be pussies and, and get, yeah. if they're not, they don't have to be perfectly good looking, they could be brave instead. How about that? So exactly. that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And, and, um, and the economic thing, I could quickly yes. address that one. I mean, it is tough. Believe me, it is tough in society today. But again, it comes back to the same thing I said about having pride about being a man. And like, I like that it's fucking tough. <laughs> you should. You should be like, it's tough today to buy a house, to, to make money today. And then conquer it and do it. And and really, like, th- the thing is, being able to financially provide for a woman is the lowest bar. And I know a lot of guys don't like that. But if you can't support a woman, and it used to be this way, like, again, the trad guys are going to be really excited about this, but it used to be this way. Or actually, maybe they won't because now they want to do 50-50. A lot of the trad guys want to do 50-50. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, But it used to be that way that a man, you know, he needed to make enough money to be able to provide for a woman and a family before he could date my daughter. You know what I mean? That's what it used to be like. How are you going to support my daughter? You know what I mean? That's what it used to be. And it should be that because that's the minimum bar. Because if you can't financially support a woman and a family, you're certainly not going to be able to emotionally support them. And you're certainly not going to, you know, like, and the answer to that is, look, that would take a lot of men out of the dating pool. And that would be a good thing, actually, because there's way too many men in the dating pool that are giving girls OnlyFans money and trying to and being desperate. Instead, these men should be working on hustling and trying to make money and trying to build something for themselves. And hey, 
you don't have to live an extravagant lifestyle. Look, yeah, I know it's hard, but the problem is because you're chasing after the Joneses, right? And if you just were, you know, which would you rather have? Would you rather have a life where you had the latest iPhone and all this stuff, okay, and uh, you know, and maybe you, you don't have the woman that you want or, or she's got to work too, or to have a more simple life where, where maybe, you know, you're not making as much money, you're living in a more simple, you have a more simple car, you don't have the latest iPhone, but you have a woman who can stay home and take care of your kids and loves you and supports you. And, and you can have that. So you can choose what you want, but I'm just saying too many people are making the, the compromise and, and going to double income households. And, and I understand it. Uh, believe me, I, I do understand it, but it's, it's not the best choice. And, and also, if you want to be a leader as a man, how are you going to do that if a woman is, is paying her way as well? Because what authority do you have? If it's like she's working and you're working, then, then how are you going to say, well, you know, I'm the man. Like you're, you're not the man in that case. Like she's also the man. So that's, that's why. And again, I know this is like such a thing that's going to ruffle so many people's feathers and, it, and it's an uncomfortable thing to hear. And I know people are like, well, you make money and that's all that, but I did earn the money and I did, you know, choose to make sure that I can support a woman before I, I got married. And, uh, you know, like I said, and it, I do empathize that it is hard today, but it can be done. And, you know, and, and I think more men should, should have that viewpoint. And if a lot of, if a lot of men, men were not out there on dating apps and trying to meet women and wasting their time arguing on the internet about how horrible women were, and then said they were building their business or working on their careers and their education, they would be able to financially support a woman and a family. Yeah. Although it can be tricky if you've left it too late. I mean, if I think about my own situation, I'm, I'm getting there. Maybe I could kind of do that soonish, but I am in London, brutal house prices, and you have to earn a huge amount, and you're in America where you, you get, you can get. I mean, you've earned a lot of money, but even if you hadn't, you can go down to some state in in the US and buy really cheap housing. We don't have that. And in the past, it was different. You could have a no, normal job, and you can already support someone. And now, I mean, you, you've acknowledged that you definitely can't. So that does change the game. And yeah. your answer is just earn more money. It's interesting. I mean, my ex girlfriend said to me, um, "Well, you know, if you want to just pay for everything, that's that's different. And then I can I can just stay at home." But it was because she cancelled on me once because of an acting audition. And I'm like, what's with, what's with these cancelling because of acting? And then I felt like yeah. a, an idiot because she's cancelling me last minute. I'm like, Who, I'm some sort of schmuck. But then she's like, well, do you want me to do the acting or you pay for everything? And she was clocking up how much it would cost me. And it was like going up to like 80 grand and then it was more. And I was like, I was like, hang on, it's just just for you. I was like, so it did, it did sound quite quite expensive. So I was thinking maybe the acting's okay. But um, what? So your view is really just that a man just simply has to get there, he has to hustle till he earns enough. I mean, how how old is he going to be? Isn't he going to be like? It takes a man often he's forty or fifty to get enough money, surely. So Perfect. It, what's he going to do? Marry uh, someone that he's fifty, she's what twenty something, slept with no one. <laughs> how does this work? Uh, well, he's Leonardo DiCaprio, basically. So so much of the things like it's controversial, but I'll, I'll tell you what what's honestly the best thing, right? It, it, there's so many of these things, but it's like, look, a woman is at her prime as far as like sexual marketplace value. And I'm not saying value as a human, like people, I, I need to make this clarification because when, when I say that women decline in sexual marketplace value, I don't mean that they decline in their value as a human being that does not decline. Right. In fact, a good woman can increase in her value as a human being over time. However, if we're honest, women's age and their beauty does fade over time more rapidly than men. And they're at their prime in their, let's say mid twenties. Okay. Somewhere around there. Most women, right? Not all women, but most women. Okay. Um, a man in his twenties 
Nobody cares about a man in his 20s. He's a joke. He's he's a loser. He, it doesn't matter. Even if he's good looking, sure. But he's still a loser. He's broke. He doesn't, he's not masculine. He doesn't have a physique built. He doesn't like a man has to build himself. A woman just has to be born and 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 look pretty. And you know, I mean, not to say the show doesn't do anything, but I'm just saying that like it's it's hers is much more up to genetics, right? A man, in order to become an attractive man has to build status and that takes time to do right and so what's actually optimal is for a man to say in his 20s forego dating completely maybe date a little bit just for fun and just to get some experience but focus on your on your physique on your money on your mindset right and build yourself if if every man in his 20s just focus his in that entire decade on making money and building himself and hustling and forgot about women for the most part every single man could be successful in his 30s to make enough money to be able to support a family right and and the the thing about that what's beautiful about that is by the time you're in your mid 30s let's say you're a man could peak at 35 some men never peak at all because they never you know they just go downhill from their 20s but you have the potential to do it and so What's what's kind of optimal is a man in his thirty, like thirty five, marries a woman who's twenty five. It, it's it's kind of the perfect match. And again, you know, I know that the circumstances don't line up like that. It doesn't have to be exactly that. But I'm just saying that if you look through society and culture, that's kind of how it's always been. It's been about a ten year age gap. You know, we've only recently had it, you know, closer to the same age. But you know, if if you look, if you're honest, you know, most women will prefer an older man anyway, right? And and so. That's the whole thing is that it's like, yeah, you might have to wait till you're in your 30s or or maybe 40, but a man in his 30s or even early 40s can get a girl in her late 20s or or mid 20s or early 30s, and that will be a better matchup. And the other beautiful thing about that matchup is she's much more likely to accept his authority and leadership because she's much more likely to look up to him because he has more experience in life. And so that dynamic works. So, you know, again, I, I know that a lot of this stuff, it like ruffles a lot of people's feathers and they don't, they don't like to hear this truth. But to me, it just makes sense, even if it's uncomfortable. And, and I understand that a lot of people are in situations where they can't be in that because, you know, if you're already in your thirties and you don't, haven't built up the the money, or if you're already married and you both have to work because you have this house and, and whatever, I totally understand those things, but you should be moving towards the ideal, even if you can't be at it right now. You know, and that's that's all I can say about that. It's like I understand, I can empathize with those things. However, I'm not going to just hold back the truth just because it's convenient or it's going to hurt people's feelings if I say it. Yeah, and if you happen to have ballsed up your twenties, um, get a hair transplant, like my friend, <laughs> and then you can you can turn back the clock. And uh, I, I don't know. I think that's what I'm going to have to do. I, I messed up my twenties, didn't do anything in my thirties. I started doing stand up comedy, and did it so much that. I think that's been the foundation of everything I do now. I got, you know, I have a TV job. I do multiple podcasts, one point something million downloads on my podcast. So I've done all right, finally from, but it only started then. It was like hard work. A lot of the work as well, you can't see what it's doing. So if there are young men in their twenties, I agree with you, they should start. You might not even be able to see what it's doing for ages. Maybe you will, and maybe you're making money, but maybe you're just sort of building skills for ages. You're not even really, Mm -hmm. you just sort of, it looks like you're just toiling in the fields, but actually you are doing something. Is that how it was for you? Yeah, I mean, for for me, it was a little bit different. Like I said, I I got married early, uh, really young, you know, made some mistakes in in that area. And then, I mean, I got a job as a software developer and I wasn't making like great money, but I was making pretty good money. But the one thing that I kind of stumbled into and got lucky was buying real estate. I started buying real estate 
at, you know, I was working my regular job and I would just save up as much money as I could because, you know, I wanted to not have to work someday. And that worked out well for me. Eventually it became a strategy and I, and I understood it. But at first I kind of lucked into it because I just didn't want to rent. So I bought a house when I was young. And then I started to realize that the richest people in America, they all made their money from real estate. And so then I was like, okay, this is, mm. this is interesting. And, and that's, it's funny because actually one of the books that got me into real estate investing was the art of the deal by, by Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, I was like, I was always a fan from, <laughs> you know, because, because <laughs> he got me started in real estate. So it's like, you know, and it was like, oh, man, this guy's the president now. That's awesome. But, you know, but now, now, you know, it's like, but, but my point is, is that, um, yeah, you know, I, I kind of lucked into that part, but, but then I did hustle. Then I did hustle my ass around 28, started building a business. And, you know, in, if you're willing to work for five years at, at something hard, you'll be successful at it, right? All the guys I coach, I always say like five, like if you're willing to start a business and you're willing to work hard for five years and not give up on that thing, you know, I can't guarantee you're going to be successful, but that's, that's usually what it takes is five years of commitment. And if you can do that, you can set yourself up in a very good financial position. Okay. Interesting. What, what's the biggest recurring problem that men have had who come to you? Cause you must've worked with so many men that you must have certain themes and patterns. Oh yeah. That's a, that is a good one. What is the biggest recurring theme? Um, I mean, I think that it is their interactions with women. I think that I think it's 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 not even that it's it's the the self confidence that they lack because of their interactions of, with women, right? I, I would say that you know I have this theory that there's three three biggest fears that all men have to face in their life to really feel good about themselves and feel like a man. The first one is the fear of physical violence, right? So you watch a movie and you're like you know, a war movie, you're like, would I just run? <laughs> you know, it's like these guys on the battlefield is like, would I just like drop my weapons and run? You know, it's like, would I actually face my mortality or you know, face combat? You know, it's like, could I get punched in the face? Right. It's like, I think there's, there's that, like you, you do, if you do, if you feel like you're a coward, you won't feel like a man. Let, let me put it that way. Right. Um, the second one is financial, the fear of not being a self-made man. If you feel like you can't make your own money, if you feel like you can't make your own way in the world and and I don't even think it's getting a paycheck. I think it's just feeling like you can make money, build a business, something like that. Then you're going to feel some way not not confident in your your masculinity. And then the third one is women. If you feel like you can't go up and talk to a woman that, you know, if you're too afraid to do that, if you're afraid that women aren't going to find you attractive, if you're worried about those things, it's going to eat at your self-esteem. And so I would say that what men come to me is to solve those three problems. And different guys have different orders of, of what problems they need to solve in those areas. But it's, it's usually those three things. Cause I can guarantee you if a man has those three areas of his life solved, he's going to feel good. He's, he's going to feel like a man. He's going to, his life is going to be, be going good. But if he's missing even one of those areas, he's going to feel it in, in some way. He's going to feel insecure in, in some way, right? It, it creates that, that insecurity. So I think that would be, would be it. Interesting. I think I've, I think I've got two out of three, so I'm doing really well. Um, <laughs> I don't definitely want the last one. <laughs> But I, def I do. I cut up my fighting skills, but I know I'm not a coward because I remember my friend getting beaten up on the street in Newcastle in the north of England. Very tough. It was a tough town, and uh, he was getting beaten up by loads of these young lads. And uh, I remember jumping him, getting punched nice. in the face, kicking a couple of them out of the way, getting punched, and we got out of there. All I did was create a diversion, just a punching bag. But I was. Um, I remember thinking, I don't even want to jump in here. My mate's getting pummeled, so I have to. So yes, I'm not yeah. a coward. Although these days, with so much knife crime in London, what would I do these days? I don't know. Because these days you just get stabbed, so I don't know anymore. Yeah, Depends I mean, 
again, obviously making foolish decisions, you know, so, but, but you've proved like, you know, that you have done it and that you would step up, you know, that you have stepped up. So you've sort of faced that thing. So I think that, yeah, I think that's Maybe something that lives with you, you know, um, yeah. you know, yeah, you're you live in LA, don't you? You'd probably just get shot. I, I'm in uh, San Diego. So it's a little bit oh. more hit with a surfboard, but uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> can handle that. Um, I don't know how much time you got. Cause there's so many things I wanted to ask you. I've got, maybe oh, yeah, I'll ask no, this. I got time. Let's okay, go. cool. Cause, um, so, well, okay. Maybe I'll ask this one then if you've got more time. I just wanted to know, has, so has, we've talked about this already, but I just want to check we've covered it. Has feminism sort of ruined things, not, not just for men, but for women then? Has it just basically ruined things for women following feminist ideas? A lot of women are now saying this. Louise Perry is a big one. She's writes really well. I see a lot of women now saying, oh, this is not a good deal for us. We work a, a crap job. We don't get married. We don't have children or whatever it is. This has not worked out for us. This was a scam. Or at least modern feminism, because early yeah, feminists right. apparently were Christian and they they were pro childbirth, and somehow it got into this thing of like being anti everything that benefits women. I don't know how how that happened, except for trying to act like a man, basically. Yeah, it, I I would agree one hundred percent. You know, the third wave feminism or whatever you want to call it, the, the new feminism. It's not about women. It's about women becoming men. That it, it is literally they're hating on men, but then they want to be men. And that's, it's sad because like I said, I, I think that the problem with that is that, you know, women are, have been sold a, uh, you know, a bad bill of goods here, right? Because they're, they're getting all these promises. They're like, okay, you can have sex like a man. That's not true. It's not true. Like women get more attached and they, they are damaged by, uh, by those things. So the, you know, again, it doesn't mean that they're irrecoverable. It doesn't mean that you have to be as a man, like, oh, she has to be a virgin or, or even you know, like the ridiculous judgment on, on, on body count is, is it gets too extreme. Like that's, those things are like, you know, but, but it is damaging, right? It is damaging. Uh, the idea of like going to work and, and not raising a family, a lot of women have that maternal instinct and they want to be feminine. They want to be taken care of by a man, right? And that's where they're, they're happiest, right? Do I believe that a woman can be a CEO of a company and do a job and, and do a job as good as a man? Yeah, I do. I believe that. Sure. Why not? That, that's, that's fine. There, there doesn't need to be proven. It's the point is, is that, look, you know, I could probably be a hairdresser, but I, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess a lot of gay men are hairdressers, but as a straight, you know, man, I, you know, it's, it's probably not the thing that would light me up as a man, right? Like I could do the job, right? But I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much as, as a woman does. And, and so it's the same thing. It's like when women take on masculine roles, can they do them? Sure, they can do them. Can they do them as good as a man? I mean, in some cases, yes, right? But, uh, but in some cases, actually, I would say no, to go backtrack a little bit on what I said, because as I think about it, I think that is true as well. But, but the point is, is are they going to be as happy or happiest doing that? Now, some women, yeah, if they want to make that choice, that's fine. But it's being forced down every woman's throat and they're feeling like that they need to do that. And then men are buying into this because, man, I did this video, one of my videos on the Better Than Perfect podcast, the, the podcast with my wife, it went viral on TikTok. It's got like 750,000 views or semi-viral, I guess it's, you know, but it's like, it's one where I'm talking about how men should be financially responsible and should take care of a woman financially. And I expected a big blowback from women on that, right? And said, I got a big blow blowback from men on that. Men are like, no, 50-50 is good. Like she needs to pay her share. I'm like, what? 
And then I get thousands of comments from women that are like, where can I find a real man? Where can I find a man like that? I would just like to be a stay at home wife. And like, and like, that would be so awesome if I could just, and I was like, look, all the, 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 the thing is changing. I think the pendulum swinging back the other way, but you can see how bad feminism has wrecked things, right? It, it's made it so that women aspire to be more masculine and that makes them less attractive to men and makes them less happy and, and fulfilled. And it, and it wrecks the, the family. Right. And then it's also made it so that men feel lost because if women are taking the role of men, then what's the role for men? There, there's no men, young men today are feeling so lost and, and, and worthless in society because that's what society's telling them. You, you see a, a movie and it's like, well, you know, Ghostbusters can just be all women now. And it's like, okay, fine. But what's the point? Like th the problem is like, you know, women, you know, I say that and women are like, what's a big deal? It's just, it's just, who cares? Like, why are you making a big deal about Ghostbusters being all women? And I'm like, because of the message that it sends to young men, that they're, that they're worthless. They're replaced by women, that they, they don't have any kind of purpose, that there's no action hero anymore. There's no strong male figure. That, that's, that's a worthless trait. And that's not true. And, and at women's core, they know that. And that's why, you know, even, you know, for example, my, my own wife, when I first met her, she was more on the feminist side. That's what all women are in society today. Most women, you know, not all, but, but most. And, you know, she had, she, if, if you talk to her before she met me, she'd be like, I would never. <laughs> and I said, a man should be the leader. She would, she would laugh. She would be like, get, get the hell out of here. I would never have a man be a leader. I would never uh, submit to a man or like, you know, or, or think this or that's ridiculous. Right. She, she would, she would be like, I'd never quit a job and, and work and not work and have a man take care of me. I don't need, you know. But after meeting me and us being together, she's completely changed her viewpoint on that because and because she's she now says, like, look, I was being masculine. Right. And, and she says to me, I was forced to be masculine to survive in this world because how else am I going to survive? It's a masculine world. I have to get a job. I have to work. I have to be hard. You know, I have to take care of myself and protect myself because there's no man to do that for me. And so she said, once I found an actual strong man that I could trust. I let down my masculine side. I embrace my feminine, and it's the, it's the best life I've ever had because I get to be a woman, right? And so again, it, it's not you know my being against feminism is not to knock women; it's to support women because I believe that women are 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 wonderful and uh and and that you know the the feminine instinct that that's within the woman that uh it's not it's not bad compared to the masculine. Like the masculine is not the the superior, the better thing, right? It, it's like women have been told that being masculine is the best thing and, and that men should do less of it. Where, where the answer is that no, the feminine is beautiful. Like there, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and so, you know, again, now it, it's kind of swinging back where women are kind of more embracing the femininity, but now men are like, no, no, no. I like the 50-50 thing, <laughs> right? They're like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't need you to submit to me. You carry your own weight. We're, we're equal partners in this thing. And I'm like, guys, no, you don't want that. You, you don't want that. Yeah, you, you could. I can see how you get used to that because it can sting to pay for the date. But I, I'm one of those always pay for the date people, not an expert by any means, but I've noticed just always pay for the date. Don't make a big deal of it. Sometimes right. you find out if it was a date by the reaction to that. <laughs> like, it was, yeah, you know, exactly. You're like, oh, yeah, cool. Or if they're like, no, no well then it wasn't a day but usually it was and you just you pay for it and that's fine and I, i'm definitely on that side but um so i agree with you on that and i like that you're curing feminists just out there curing feminists doing the lord's work like <laughs> turning them in. there's always those reddit memes and stuff that go around and um 
It's like I'm dating a Trump fan. Is this okay? And they're always like confused <laughs> feminists because they they actually fancy the Trump guys, and they're like, oh, I don't know who I am anymore. But of course they do because the other guys are weird feminist freaks who no one likes. Mainly, I mean, men. Have, it's so weird because men have to pretend to be socially acceptable in many realms. Men have to kind of pretend to be super woke and feminist now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone knows that's not what women want. So it's kind of really weird. But there is also a low status thing. Just thinking out loud here of of being conservative. It's also kind of like like in England anyway. It's sort of kind of weird that you're in this sort of niche conservative scene that can also be a bit weird i wouldn't talk about the tv channel that i'm on on a date thinking it was cool or something it wouldn't get me anywhere probably that they either wouldn't know what it was or they'd think it yeah. was strange or some of them would like it a few of them but i probably already know them because it's a small yeah. world you know what i mean so i don't know you just got me thinking about that because you, you're out here changing women's views i definitely think it is strange isn't it why men are being t- it's, it's a pretty obvious point but men are being told to be less masculine and women are told to be more masculine what it's such an obviously perverse thing to do to a culture because if it was just everyone be more masculine you could almost go okay the culture's getting right. more masculine but it's just no just be the opposite of what you are and what works i mean how sick is that it's an inverted culture that's become decadent everyone knows it. i mean this is camille Pagley's talked about it a lot when a culture is becoming decadent and falling apart like ancient rome or whatever it is it tends to get obsessed with transgenderism or, or androgyny for some weird reason this just seems to be a historical fact so we're there yeah. now for weird reasons but women just do you, do you ever think just it's so easy for women if they just embrace being feminine even though they've been forced to be masculine to survive which i totally understand that point if they can yeah. just be feminine they can just like cut through the dating world just so easily because if they just aren't like argumentative and aggressive but they're always, right. but they, but isn't there also a thing where women will do that to test you and see if you're actually the famous shit test, right? They'll test you to see if yeah. you're masculine. Well, here's here's another analogy here: magnets. Okay, so you know, uh, are you familiar with magnetic induction? Back in you know the grade school, just so, where two yeah. polarities don't go together if it's south and south and all that. Well, so induction is actually you can induce a magnet to switch poles. Oh right? yeah. So. If you take a north-south magnet and take the north end, and then you take a weaker north-south magnet and you bring the two north ends together, what will happen is the weaker magnet, if you force them together, will switch poles. It'll actually swap poles. The magnet won't turn. The polarity of the magnet will actually switch and it will become a south pole and it will connect. This is the thing to understand as a man. You have to be the strong masculine magnet, the north pole, okay? You you go on a date with a feminist woman. like. You, you yourself, right? And you're on a conservative television show. And you unapologetically say you're on the show and talk about it. And you do, don't blink. You don't flinch at all that she's upset by it, whatever. That's just what, you know, you don't argue with her. There's no need to argue. But you, you just stand firm in that. And that's, you know, this is just like I, I say when, when you're given the captain of the ship speech, right? You will induce that pole. That, that woman, in the presence of a strong masculine man, will she will be induced to her feminine she will try to come at you masculine and you will make her feminine her feminine will come out it, it again i could say that's exactly what happened with the relationship with my wife when we met because she was very very much in her masculine but i wasn't allowing it i just was not i'm i'm gonna be there i'm gonna be unapologetic i you know in fact our first date was to the man convention <laughs> to the <laughs> the uh anthony johnson's thing and you know when i was speaking at at that event the what, what did he call that whatever it was make women great again there was he had yeah, that yeah, thing, that, didn't he? Which, and he so, had the 21 convention all that yeah yeah so yeah the 21 convention wow. so i took her to that on actually it was a second date it was a second date okay but but i took her to that right 
You know what I mean? And here she is, like, you know, kind of on the liberal side, right? It's like, but I'm unapologetic about it. I'm not embarrassed about it. This is what I'm doing. I'm speaking at this event, right? You know, I mean, she might not agree with the things, but it polarizes. Like, that, that's the thing about it is so it's, uh, yeah, you know, that, that's that's the way to, to look at it is if you are that strong magnetic pole, you will, you know, and, and women are looking for that. Believe me, women don't know they're looking for that, but they want to find a strong masculine man that's unapologetic. Just like you said with your your ex-girlfriend. Yeah, maybe she shared some of those political views as you, so it, 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 it seemed more aligned. But it wasn't that she shared the views with you. It was that you weren't afraid to express them, that you were unapologetic, that you were standing out there in your masculinity. And she sensed that masculinity, and that's attractive to women. All right, I love that that you go into this uh, sort of masculinity convention with your on the second day, and she's looking at the program twelve to one. Why we all hate hoes and twelve one just 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 like we hate women. Women suck. Uh, here's another speech. So this is why women suck. And she's gone. This is interesting, John. Are these your friends? Um, what what was her take on it? I mean, she didn't go to the whole, like, we just went to like a, oh. a you know, a, a drink cocktail hour thing and, and met some of the speakers and, and stuff like that. But, okay. but, um, but yeah, it's like, but, but, but that whole but she must thing have seen your YouTube and all, and what you do roughly anyway, at, at some point. Yeah. But even, even in my quote, red pill days, I, I would not be embarrassed for a woman to, to watch what I said, because I never, ever have said bad things about women. And I won't, because even though I believe these things, I, like like I said, in in hopefully it's come across in, in this uh, interview, but I love women and and I and I want the best for women and I, I you know I, I truly I'm not against women in in any way. I'm probably their biggest ally that they don't know. You know what I mean? Because I want them to have the lives that they want, and they and sometimes they don't even realize it because this stuff has been pushed down people's throat. Uh, you know, and and they believe that it's the correct thing. Uh, you know, this woke kind of feminism that it's just destructive to to everyone. All right, very cool. Can I just ask you quickly then, because we've got a big um, Christian following. Mm. You were a Christian when you grew up and you moved away from it. Why was that? Yeah, so yeah, uh, you know, I grew. I actually even taught a Bible study when I when I was younger. Uh, you know, I would say that. You know, again, I, I don't, I don't care what someone's religious beliefs are, and I, I respect their their religious beliefs. Uh, so, so again a lot of what I'm saying, I don't mean to bash on anyone's religion or or Christians or anything like that, you know? Um, However, for me, what I found as I started studying a lot of Stoic philosophy and Eastern philosophy is that a lot of the things made more sense in the, in the, in the greater scheme of things to me than uh, the limited theology of, of Christianity. Right. So again, I think that a lot of what Christian uh, theology teaches, if you, and, and here's the thing about this as well, right? I'll say this. When I taught a men's Bible study, uh, I remember going through the book of Revelation, right? And I I said, okay, if I'm going to teach this study, we're going to go by this verse by verse and let's read and say, see what it says, right? And then, and that's how we did the study. And after I finished that study, the church asked me to not come back. And I said, why? And they said, well, because you're teaching the wrong thing. And I was like, well, I, what I'm doing is I'm not teaching whatever you think that it says or that it's been passed down that it says. I'm reading it and we're going through it and we're dissecting it and, and seeing what it says. And and so I think there's a lot of people that are religious and 
that are steeped in the doctrine that don't actually understand it, that aren't practicing it. And I, and I think that's, that's kind of the, one of the issues or contentions that I have, which again, it's not to point any fingers at anyone, but, um, but, but I see that a lot. And, and, and the thing about it is like some of the reason why conservatives are looked down upon in society is because a large percentage of conservatives are conservative based solely on religion. And that's not a very defensible position, and it doesn't seem like a very intelligent position. Now, again, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with you being Christian. I love you if you're Christian. That's great. I think that's awesome, okay? I'm not trying to knock you in any way. But what I am saying is that if everything that you say goes back to because God said it, and you don't have a good logical argument, a reasonable, rational argument for it, people are not going to respect you very much. Right. And and you're going to seem like a zealot and it's going to seem like you believe these things because God told you or the Bible said so. And again, I'm not saying that you can't believe things because God told you or the Bible said so. But I'm saying that when you present yourself, you have to appeal to an authority that people recognize, that everyone recognizes, which is not God, unfortunately. It is the authority of logic and reason. And so that, that's why I think a lot of conservatives end up getting a bad name. And I don't have any problem with that. But like I said, for me, those kind of things. And then, you know, I've read a thou thousand books, over a thousand books. And I've seen, I've read every religious book, the Quran, you know, the Book of Mormon. I have read uh, some of the Vedas. I mean, it's pretty hard to read all the Vedas, but you know, most of the, the stuff that's out there. And so my, just from all that perspective, it didn't seem to me that that Christianity was the thing that made the most sense to me. But again, maybe I'm wrong. But um, but yeah, but that's that's just you know what I gathered from from all of that perspective. And I also grew up in that religion. And it's like you know, am I lucky enough to to have grown up in the correct religion? <laughs> like I I don't know, maybe. But I you know I didn't think that that was enough reason for me to be Christian was just because I grew up in it and you know that was my I got lucky. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'm, we could do hours on Christianity, but I won't because you've got to go at some point. But I, I do want to ask before you go, I, I've forgotten to ask about politics at all on a yeah. podcast normally very political. But I know it's not your, your main thing because you kind of avoid it to an extent, I, if, I think, from some of your videos. But do you do you care about whether Trump wins? Do you care about the future? Well, obviously you care about the future of the US, but I don't know how much it bothers you. As we, as we record, Texas has just put out some kind of statement that Biden's not protecting their borders, so they're going to do it. And some people feel like, you know, is this the start of something? You know, will Texas secede? Will there be civil war? Maybe not. But the point is, we're in very unstable times. Uh, you've got a pre former president who they, they're using the legal system against to, to try and stop him running. Some people say Trump will be assassinated. These are crazy times, obviously. So how much does this stuff impact your life? Well, I mean, as I, as I said before, like my political views is libertarian with a lowercase l. So, you know, I believe three things fundamentally that, uh, that you have, uh, that no one should, uh, that you have a right to your property, right? No one should be able to take that from you. You have a right to your labor. No one should be able to put you under slavery and make you work for them. And that you have a right to your personal safety that so no one should be able to harm you physically. And everything else I believe is based on those three principles. Anything that violates those three principles, for example, taxation would be a violation of the principle because it's stealing. It's, it's taking a property that I did not did not give. And then it could also further violate the principle because if you don't give the money, then you're going to go to jail. You're going to, or you, you could, you know, be 
physically hurt, you know? So, um, so that's kind of where, where my, where like my basic framework, but as far as like the political landscape, I mean, the, the truth is practicing Stoic philosophy. I try to stay out of it as much as possible in, in terms of like, I know what's going on. I have opinions on it, but I try to limit that as much because I don't want the outside world to influence my internal. And in, in reality, I, I don't have any control over what's going to happen. Like I could want Trump to win or Biden. It doesn't matter what I want uh, because even if I vote, it still doesn't matter, right? So it's like, am I going to waste my energy and my effort on something that doesn't matter or am I going to focus on the things that I can control and change in my life? So that's, that's kind of my viewpoint. But, you know, as far as like the whole Trump thing and and whatnot, um, I preferred uh, Vivek Ramsey. Uh, that Ramaswamy. was my... Yeah, yeah. How's it? Rams- Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very good. So I loved what he had to say. Like, I, I felt like he was, I don't know, he, he seemed like a stand-up guy to me and, and smart guy. Uh, you know, as far as the, the whole thing with, you know, I didn't, I didn't really want to see Trump take the top spot simply because I know the chaos that it's going to cause. And uh, as far as Trump, like I said, I was a fan when I read his book back back then. But I do think that he suffers from the same problem that Andrew Tate does, which is sometimes saying things, even though he's got great ideas. And I know he's not a racist or a bigot or anything. I, I know that he's he's a great guy. But sometimes the way that he words things comes across in a non in an untactful way, which rubs people the wrong way. And I know some of it he does on purpose in order to rile things up, but that makes him less effective because people who would support him, like for example, uh, Vivek, I'm going to say it wrong, Ramaswamy. Did I say it right? Ramaswamy, I think. I'm not saying an expert either, but it's something like that. Okay. Okay. Like I I think that he shares a lot of the same kind of ideas and views, Not, not all of them as Trump, but the way that he presents it to people that disagree with him doesn't feel as much like a slap in the face. Again, you know, do based on this election, do I uh, want Trump to win? Of course. Uh, I think, yeah, like definitely not, not, not Biden, but at the same time, it's like, eh, I know there's going to be turmoil and, and chaos and it's just, you know, it, it's not, it's not going to be a good, it's not going to be a good climate and, you know, there's going to be downstream effects from that, but you know, I don't know. Like uh, people are getting, and also what's happening too, in my opinion, is that Trump's smart, right? I mean, the, the guy is like, whatever people say, they're they're wrong. Like a guy that is that wealthy and that successful in life is a smart guy, okay? And they're falling right into his trap because he is setting setting it up where he's becoming a martyr. Um, so he's making some smart moves, like in, in my opinion, I, I think they're calculated moves, and uh, and I think he will win unless you know it's rigged again i do feel like the last election was rigged in in the u.s so i know that's amazing i I was gonna ask you maybe about that but yeah when you said it if you vote it doesn't matter either i was gonna say because it because it was rigged but i was gonna say it as a joke but you mean it so yeah i mean it as well so we've we've clarified that i don't know if you have to cut that out for youtube yeah i don't know anymore (laughs) i don't know i don't know i'm just saying it now yeah 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 but i think it's true i think it, it is like true you know i watched on election night and i was like there's no way. This is just ridiculous. There's no way. Yeah. And there's no way they'd let him win. I mean, but will they let him? I don't know. That's the question. Will they let him or will they just do anything to stop him? They'll try and put him in prison. I'm worried. Yeah. What will they do? Maybe this will look silly, you know, when, when he, if he's not assassinated or put in prison, but they're certainly doing everything well, they can. Well, and here's the thing, like, cause a lot of people, they hear this stuff and they're like, oh, conspiracy theorists and all this stuff. Right. And I'm like, look, I got two arguments for, for people that against that. Right. 
the first one is Snowden. Okay. Like, if anyone is like, no, there's no conspiracy going on. Did you forget about Snowden already? Did you forget the entire U.S. government was spying on everybody with top secret uh, software that, like, tapped into every phone and every have a database of everything? And that was a long time ago. Imagine what is that now? So, so that's number one. Is like, if you're like, oh, you're just conspiracy theorists, okay? And then the second one is Epstein. Look, the guy. Uh, I, I, I have to watch the words I say, but ended his his adventure in a prison cell. The most notorious man, the most guarded, you know, with the most like, come on, come on. Like, Very do unlucky. not try and tell me that when you believe conspiracy theories, you're crazy at this point. At this point, shit's going on. It, it, it is reasonable to assume shit's going on. Like, that's. You know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That, that's my defense for for that, because I know a lot of people are like, ah, oh, you're being conspiracy about the election and all this stuff. Look, you know, explain Snowden, explain Epstein to me, and then I'll believe you. But it, it just doesn't add up to me. Yeah. One one question I sometimes ask in that context is, you know, people say, did they rig the election? My question that I like to ask is, would they if they could? And 100 percent, yes. You ask, you know, do the Democrats respect the, the constitution and the rule of democracy and so on, or, or would they just do anything they could to destroy their opponent? Yes, obviously they would. So for me, it, it doesn't become a moot point, but it becomes, or academic, but it becomes, you know, interesting. They would definitely do that to Trump if they could. It's just a question of, did they have the logistics in place? I always right. find that bothers me. You know, people might disagree with my premise and say, well, no, they wouldn't, but of course they would. I mean, of course they would. Course, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, because, and, and one of the things that I have against the liberal kind of woke agenda is that, they firmly believe, and they, and I do believe that a lot of people that believe this believe that they're doing good. I truly believe that like people are not evil. They're not just dumb, evil, you know, whatever, like they're just, they lack awareness, but I, the problem I have, and, and I think the, the, I think there's two philosophies that are deadly that they believe. The first one is utilitarianism, which is that the, the good, the best good for the most people is the right way to go. And then the way they enforce utilitarianism, which is through, it's, it's kind of the same thing, but the ends justify the means. Those two things have caused more damage in history than any other philosophy uh, because they're just plain wrong, right? Because if you allow the ends, and that's exactly what you're saying is like, I know that they would rig the election if they could, because they believe that the ends justify the means, Right. And when you're when you believe the ends justify the means, there's nothing you won't do in order to get the end. And that, and again, that goes right into utilitarianism because, you know, you're like, OK, well, it'll be worth it if we, even if we have to do something bad in order to get a good result, it'll be worth it. And once you've sacrificed your principles, there's no there's nothing that that holds them into like a, a man in society has to be built on principles. Principles have to be unchanging. If if you don't have that, you don't have anything, and that's that's the biggest problem I have with with the the left, the woke left. Yeah, it's perhaps the difference between principles and ideology. Conservative we may have principles, but we try not to have a rigid ideology. Whereas, yeah, if you have something like Stalin, that comes from an end justifies the means idea. You start with like, oh, we're doing good, we're redistributing wealth. It's like, oh, we're we're killing millions of people, but don't worry, <laughs> you know. And then people still justify it to this day. And there's the old line: socialism has never been properly tried, and all that. They cling to this. Because they believe the ends justify the means. They have this beautiful vision of the world. Very dangerous. Though I have to ask, yeah. I have to counter my own question and say, would the Republicans do the same to Biden now? I would have said no in the past. I would have said no. Actually, there are some uh, principles on the conservative side that they would have fair elections. Now I don't know anymore because it's it's war now, basically. So who knows? Would you keep 
hide now if you could uh, illegally i don't know you know i'm not sure anymore what would happen you know because it's yeah. just you, you guys are almost at the point of just all-out war I, I think the issue is like i think most conservatives would not accept that because they believe that it, they did it first then you know so so now i think you might be right in in that but which is which is again it, it's it should never be that way you know no one should be uh, you know, thinking that again, because that's and justify the means thinking, which is very dangerous thinking. But yeah, it's crazy where we've gotten just in the Internet has caused all this because there's so many thought silos and you know magnification of, you know, echo chambers and, and all these things. That's cra- it's so divisive today. It's amazing. It's like we're saying before, it's like people don't have dialogues they're afraid to have like you have to you know, I know that even just in this podcast, in this this interview there's going to be people that are going to completely write off what I'm saying simply because I didn't meet one of the criteria of their ideology, yeah. right? That's just how the political climate is today. And it's a sad thing because we can't have debates. We can't have discussions anymore. We can't really make that forward progress because it's like people are so siloed into what they believe. And it's like you're saying, it's like with Andrew Tate, it's like, do you love him or do you hate him? And it's like, no, I just... I respect some of the things that he says. I, you know, you know, it's like, but, but do you love him or do you hate him? Which one? It's like, you have to pick one. And it's like, people are so adamant about that, you know? Yeah, you're right. It's, it's always unsubscribed. Love this podcast, but have to unsubscribe because of their view on Ukraine, Tate, Trump, insert right. thing. I'm like, really? You have to unsubscribe because they disagree with a single thing you thought. That's completely insane. Yeah. That's where we yeah. are. Do you see that woke? Do you see wokeness getting? Sorry, to actually loads of questions. Do you see wokeness getting worse or or better? So, there are there are signs that it's kind of DEI policy is under pressure and that it's all cracking a little bit. But then again, some ways it's getting worse. We're about to have a Labour government in the UK that's going to be incredibly left wing. So I don't know. In America, it depends whether you get Trump or Biden. But it, will it get worse or better? Gosh, I, you know. I feel like it's be, wokeness has become a caricature of itself, right? It's like when you watch a movie now, you know what you're going to say. Like, it's, it's almost comical. Like, it's no longer infuriating. It's like, oh, here's the strong female character. Oh, look, you know, <laughs> she's being a white guy and a black guy, the Chinese guy. And it's like, yeah, yeah. oh, wow, look at that. You know, and it's, it's, it's become such that it's so comical that it's, it doesn't even make the point anymore. You know what I mean? So I think in that way it's 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 reducing like i think there, there's less of that um i think there's a big andrew tate backlash which kind of set us back unfortunately because now so many people are like oh you know so angry at andrew tate for no reason they don't even understand him anyway and now they're like doubling down on the wokeness this is why we can't have masculinity and this is why like you know what i mean even the algorithms have shut out you know a lot of videos talking about that thing or anything positive for, for masculinity. So, so, so there is that, as, I mean, there's a war that, that's being fought here and, and the worst place is the tech industry. That's where I came from. And I got canceled on, on Twitter, uh, in, in the tech industry. I had all my courses pulled from a uh, big company, Pluralsight, where I was making, I mean, I was pulling in royalty checks of a hundred thousand dollars every three months on my courses and they all got pulled. Uh, my book got unpublished by the publisher, right? So um, I got I went through the cancel in cancel in 2019 on Twitter, and it was a complete setup. Like there was there's professional woke activists that were purposely like 
collecting, you know, egging it on and pushing the, that and, and pushing the cancellation agenda. So it's, it's like, it's professionally done. Like it is, it is a, a thing that is an actual agenda. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that, like I said, the tech industry is, even if you were to look in the tech industry today, it is extreme. It is completely 100% diversity, 100% pronouns, 100% everything is, is all about that. And the problem with that is that this was strategic. Okay. And I'll tell you why it started with uh, evergreen college. That was the testing ground for this. And after that, it went to the tech industry and the tech industry controls social media. And that was the plan because now if you take over the tech industry with wokeness, social media, that's everybody's feeds. That's you get to control everything. And, and that, and now it's hit mainstream society. And, uh, you know, I think there's enough of a backlash where it's kind of kept it at bay to a degree. Uh, but I don't know, it's, it's, it's a scary, scary time because that kind of stuff, if, you know, if you're familiar with like what happened in evergreen, College. Brett Weinstein and all that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when he was banned and, and from that, campus, yeah. Jewish liberal just professor that, banned from campus, and, and and it's like the person who controls the vocabulary controls the society, and you have these vocabulary words like whiteness and you know uh, what is it like uh, tone deaf and like there's a whole vocabulary on this thing. I'm sure you're you're aware of it, and uh, it, it's scary because it, it's it is a it is not accident. It is engineered it's specific to undermine society like there, there are people behind this that are are purposely because it is an agenda it is a specific thing and again another a lot of people are like conspiracy theory but no it is if you see it and you saw it from evergreen college i was watching it when it first happened and then it spilled into the tech industry and you see how it's systematically been taking over society it is it is a plan how, how do we, what do you say by the way? Did you say uh, women should submit? Why did you get cancelled in 2019? So the the story is, uh, I I didn't even get on Twitter honestly, right? It's like you know I had a big, I was big in the programming space with several books published. You know I was pretty famous in that in that space, and in a big blog, you know, a couple hundred thousand page views a a, a month, and um, I had I had a podcast and stuff, and and there was this girl that was on my podcast once. And, uh, you know, she was a, a girl developer and, and, uh, there was some people, someone messaged me and they're like, they're attacking her on Twitter. Right. And, uh, and, and they were attacking her. It was, it was a woke like attack on, on her. Like they're tr- threatening to essentially cancel her and tell her employer because she said something like, you know, um, with all the d- diversity and inclusion, you know, sometimes it's a little bit rough, um, getting into the tech industry, or it seems like you know, some people are, it was some, some really just, you know, blah comment, like nothing, a big deal, but they were going to like threaten her whole career over that. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I got nothing better to do. Let me jump on there and let me just tell these bastards what kind of pussies they are. So I'm like, you're a pussy. And like, uh, yeah, again, I, it wasn't the smartest thing for me to do, but I just started like attacking everyone that was attacking her. Cause like, I got nothing to lose. I'm financially independent. What are you going to do to me? I don't have a job. Like you, you can come after her job, but I'm going to divert the, the focus to me. And, um, well, I did have more to lose than, than I thought. I didn't realize how crazy it was going to be. So they're like screenshotting. Like I, there was a woman that responded to me and I said, um, I said, shut up. Right. And then someone replied, was like, how dare you tell a woman to shut up? And I was like, shut up. (laughs) And then that gets screenshotted. And then I talked to a black girl and they're like, you know, I said something about someone being an acting like animals. And then they're like, they take a picture of a black girl. And then that I said, like, you know, they constructed this whole 
thing about me being a racist sexist, right? And, and again, I wasn't saying nice things, right? I, I take responsibility. I was, I was saying mean things on Twitter. Okay. You know, but I wasn't, I'm not racist. I wasn't saying racist things. I wasn't saying sexist things. You know, I, uh, again, I guess what, what I say now people could interpret as sexist, but if you listen to everything I'm saying and not a soundbite, you understand that I love women. I don't, I don't hate women. I don't have anything against them. So, so anyway, they, they constructed this whole thing and just, it just like, this is this nice screenshot of everything I said out of context that made it look like I was the perfect racist. And, you know, they sent it to all the companies and boom. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've been there on a smaller scale. How, I know it's a lot, it's a big question, but very, if you can answer it very quickly, because I've taken up so much of your time, but how do you think we can win the culture war then? But it's, you know, we're quite kind of on the same side from what you've said. We're engaging it in a different way, but how do we, how do we win? Yeah. So it's, it's back to the, uh, what's his name? I, I can't forget his, I can't remember his name now, but you know, he passed away, but he was on, I had him on a, on one of my podcasts, but he wrote the, the book, uh, strong men, uh, you know, create, oh, create good times. Yeah. Good times, great weak men, weak men create, uh, hard times. Right. Um, and, th- and that's the answer. That's it. The, the answer is like, you know, as much as we want to like complain about society and all this stuff, we're not going to change it by complaining about it. It doesn't even, you know, it's like, even if you have like, look, an election can even be rigged. Right. So that doesn't even matter. Right. So the answer is to create strong men. The answer is that's why I'm focusing on masculinity, right? Is because if we can get young men to grow up and to take responsibility and start being men of character and value that step up, that take good care of women, that again, stop hating on women because you're not going to convince a woman to not be feminist by telling her what a stupid bitch she is. That's not, how's that going to work? Like, it's like, oh, you're a hoe. Like, uh, no, that's never going to work. She's never going to be like, oh, you're right. I'm a hoe. I should stop being a hoe. Never, never in the history of society has that ever fucking worked, right? So we got to get men that that stand up and show the examples of good masculine men that take care of women, take care of society, take care of, of their children, you know, have respect, uh, show respect, show kind of, who, who have a backbone, who are strong men, but have empathy and, and caring and show love, uh, you know, and aren't afraid to, to do that. And, and as, as we do that and we encourage those men and, and grow up those men, that's what will shift it because that, that, you know, because that will get women that will change women. because if men st- stepped up and were the kind of men that, uh, that could be that magnet, right. Cause we have the strength as men because we are influential and, and, you know, that magnetic induction. But if you apply that to the greater scheme of things, you'll flip it. You'll, you'll flip it. It, it will, it will flip like that, but it's not going to be through the way that we're doing it now. It's not going to be through, you know, rallying and, and screaming as loud as we can about how fucked up it is. You know, that, that it's, it's just not going to work. It's, it's not going to, it's not going to happen that way. It, it only creates more divisiveness. It only creates more of a, uh, a separation and makes more people, makes people more, uh, stringent in their own stance. So the answer is, is to look internally. The answer is one man at a time. Uh, it, it's not to try and correct society at large. It, it's got to start with you as an individual and then the men that you're around and us teaching men how to be men. All right. Very cool answer. So what a great podcast this is one of the all time great podcasts, but where do you see yourself going then? You, you, you've had bulldog mindset, 363,000 last I checked subscribers. You've been incredibly successful real estate, all the things you've talked about programming, but now you've kind of 
it's maybe a luxury problem, some would say, but you've sort of achieved everything. And I've been watching your videos lately and it's like, oh, what do I do now? I'm not sure yeah. where to go next. So where do you see yourself going? I've been trying to figure that out. And I think, honestly, it's like it's like what we talked about today on, on this on this podcast. It's like, I want to help men in relationships to be better men. in Because that I think that encompasses all the things, right? Because it in, involves being a better man and and learning to be more masculine in the right way. And so, you know, I'll probably do that through Bulldog Mindset, through my my membership. I'm revamping that and I'm going to kind of relaunch that and, and get men in there that that need help, you know, getting help with with fitness, finance, with 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 kind of dating issues, kind of the basic and the mindset. And then uh and then I, I'm I'm thinking about like I I really enjoy the podcast I'm doing with my wife on uh the Better Than Perfect podcast and so uh I think from there, I want to launch a uh, a program, a relationship coaching for men to to help them to have the better relationships, to realize you know w- what impact that they have through you know through and 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 it really and the reason why I think that's such an important focus is because again like like I said it's like look look at the impact that a, a man has right because if you're a man and you're married to a woman and you you through your magnetic induction make that woman more feminine, bring out the feminine in her, right? Then she's the one who raises your children. And those children learn these values, right? And those children grow up and then that next generation is going to be a generation of kids who understand, who have principles, who understand the the value of men and and women and and their roles in, in society. And so that's why I think that it begins at the the man in the relationship because the man in the relationship has the most influence because he influences the woman and he influences her on how she ends up raising his children and and that's that's a huge impact and that's that's where i feel like i can make the the biggest difference so that's you know again i've been confused it's been a lot of soul searching and stuff but that's what i'm passionate about and that's what i, I keep coming to and that's where it's like i think things are leading me to that because it's like yeah i can teach you how to be an alpha male and, and pick up girls and, and yeah, that's, that's great. But what does that really do for society? It doesn't, it doesn't do much. Maybe it even contributes to the problem to, to a degree. Right. So, uh, so I think the bigger focus is being the man in the relationship, because if, if you can do that, you can, you can make the biggest impact. All right. Excellent answer. Um, thanks so much for your time. Great podcast. Thanks for all the work you do. Where can people find you? Yeah. So you can go to bulldogmindset.com. And uh, from there, I've got my, my Bulldog Mindset program. Uh, you can go on YouTube and search for Bulldog Mindset. I've got a new channel, Bulldog Mindset V2, where I'm doing daily videos. And then my newest thing is my video podcast with my wife called Better Than Perfect. It's a relationship podcast. If you search for that, uh, you can find it. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. All right. <clears throat> Brilliant. Uh, thanks so much for your time, John. And uh, yeah, if you want to support me, of course, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Dixon. Buy me a digital coffee and you leave a comment. I reply to all the comments. Buymeacoffee.com slash nickdixon or nickdixon.substack.com where I'm posting loads more articles, partly because John told me to. nickdixon.substack.com for all my articles. Five pounds a month. Great deal. So that's my little plug in as well. And uh, thanks again, John. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And I just have to say real quick, go visit the the Substack, Nick's Substack. It's just, it's fantastic. He's a fantastic writer. You will, you will definitely uh, get a kick out of the articles. You know, obviously he's got a great sense of humor as well. So it is well worth it. And, you know, and, and for also uh, keeping media like this on the air, I think it's important to support the creators because, you know, this is valuable work that you're doing, Nick, and, and I appreciate it. So. 
Awesome. Great plug from John. Thank you very much. NickDixon.substack.com. Bulldog Mindset. Go and find John. And uh, cheers. We'll see you again next week. Bye.